Welcome, this is War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Valentin Nellick from White Metal Games, formerly of Liber Demonica. And War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. This is episode 33, Glues and Epoxies. Um, Valentin, Val, as I'm going to call him today, is helping me out with the show today because Philip is on a brief hiatus. Uh, his brother was getting married uh, in northern uh, Virginia, and he is off vacationing with them. I think at the beach right now, right? I think, yeah, they're yeah. cruising the uh, Virginia beach right now. Um, so there, he's kind of on a, a brief break between commissions, and we hope he's enjoying himself. Um, and Val offered to fill in. So Val, um, for new listeners, um, you and I met a, a few months ago, um, I guess kind of over online maybe, yeah, and you so started doing some subcontract work, yeah. and I managed to somehow talk you into moving down here. To, yeah. to be a part of the studio. So why don't you give um, the listeners a, a little bit, uh, introduce yourself, who you are, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, well, I already said what my name was. Sure. I've been in, interested in the hobby and the, uh, actually predominantly the Warhammer hobby from, uh, for quite a long time, from about 1998. That's when I, my first introduction into was almost the okay. end of so the second edition. Like almost 20 so, years. Right. I was never in a consistently... Uh, involved in the hobby. Um, you, you mean you weren't a player, is what you mean? I, was, I never played... I yeah. played maybe a couple of games when I was just introduced, and it was actually a fantasy game. But sure. they, I was just grasped by the visuals. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was kind of a kid going into a comic book store. What? Holy crap, what the hell is this? This is so flipping cool. Sure. And that's what got the, the ball rolling. Um, yeah, and I've enjoyed the hobby, the visuals, the lore actually just dwelt into the lore a little while I was going to say, you do like the lore. I've heard you chat lore quite a bit. Oh, actually. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, it's a rich world, or a rich environment. I love the way it is developed. It's yeah. not your regular run-of-the-mill uh, Mattel approach Well, we're going to come up with an IP just sure. to promote toys. Although, ironically, I think they were in talks to sell to Mattel. Um, games work. I heard, I heard that. that. I heard yeah. there's a company that actually either wants to yeah. overtake them, already has bought them right. out. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, might have been Mattel. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I just I accidentally stumbled upon one book that got me to think and perceive this lore as actually uh, something of a serious. Which thing. book was that? It was the Flight of Eisenstein from the Four Series. You know, that's the first book I read in 40k. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's actually really funny. Um, that was a, it. Was a really great book. Yeah, and was, I don't read many of the books, frankly. I've only read like three or four. That right? got me started. Yeah, that yeah. got me started. I just enjoyed the seriousness yeah. of the writing the style. The tone. Yeah. Exactly. I'm exactly. With you. And as they dwelt more and more to it, just opened up more and more interest. Yeah. Some very cool and awesome historical and so, uh, social references in there that are incorporated and just built upon. And just got me started. I've always kind of felt like one of the things 40K does very well is that it feels different yet familiar. Yeah. Like the emperor kind of feels Christ-like. The you, oh, it, of course, there's a lot of right, cultural exactly. that have been built upon. Yeah, and like yeah. even the look of certain things, like the imperial guard, kind of look like. Even though this it's forty thousand years in the future, looks a lot like World War Two. Yeah. So there's a familiarity to the universe right. that we can all uh, relate to. Right. And when they add a new range like Tau. They're just lumping in like, hey, the anime guys need a way into the game. Here's our way in for them, yeah. you know, or whatever. Well, uh, some styles and some the ways they incorporate, I actually found them quite silly. Like that everything sure. Imperium is World War One based. Right, yeah. That's not what exactly I like. I like the more the metaphysical, the sure. cultural, the civil, how is the civilization built, how right. does it expand, yeah. where is the natural progression, yeah. those kind of things. I you agree. Know, not the general. 
and stuff. So, so. You, so you started as a hobbyist. You've gamed a little bit, but mostly you stay a hobbyist. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. enjoy the lore. Yeah. yeah. Um, tried to get into a couple of games, and hopefully that will pick up. So nice. that's more interesting the visuals and the lore itself. So. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and you previously, you've been a commission artist for a while. You worked previously for Liber Demonica based out of St. Petersburg. Right. Correct. And uh, you worked for them for how long? Uh, actually, very briefly. Okay. It was a very short time, just a couple of months. Oh, wow. Okay, very I, short. I just enjoyed it so much. Wow, okay. It was, um, I tried to get into commission painting uh-huh. a little while ago, and it was actually funny that it actually worked out. That Yeah, timing-wise, it couldn't have been better for me. Yeah. <laughs> you were looking for work, and I was like... Yeah, that's how we got Because originally, got when you first contacted me, yeah, I was like, was, well... You were like, do you, will you do remote painting? I was like, you'd have to be really good. Yeah. I was like, I've tried this before, and it's usually a flop. Yeah, I remember that conversation. And you sent me your samples, and I was like, all right, they're really good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say yes. I got you. Um, but, but it was an exception to the rule. Like, yeah. normally it's like, because I've had people say, you know, ask me that before, and normally it's like, no, there's yeah, no way. Yeah. Because I can't control the product from that far away. Right, but that's right. It's the man, from managing perspective. It's, yeah, it's it, hard. It's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So I'm actually glad that you took up, uh, took me up on that. Good, that's awesome. Very good. Well, um, he's been a welcome addition to our team the last couple months. Um, so he's going to help out today on the show, uh, the show about glues and epoxies. Before we jump into that, though, uh, give you a couple quick updates into our intro today, tell you what we're working on. So first off, White Metal Games, it looks like we're headed to Nova Open. Awesome. Uh, this is a competition that takes place every year in Northern Virginia, uh, specifically in the Arlington, Arlington region near right. D.C. Yeah. Um, Philip is kind of a native of that area. Uh, we have family up there, and... Through the grapevine, and we'll talk about this a little later on, but the charity project we're doing for Paint Over Hate, um, which may be retitled, uh, we're going to um, go up to Nova Open and kind of meet some of the people there face-to-face. One of our painters, Dennis, is going up there. He's going to be playing. Uh, Philip is going to be entering the painting competition. We're going to enter one of Val's pieces in the painting competition as well. Um, And we're going to basically go and hopefully be a presence there. So we may be podcasting. We may be vending. We're not 100% sure, but we will be at Nova. So if you're at Nova, no matter what it is, if you see guys walking around with White Metal Games t-shirts, stop off, say hi. Yeah, definitely stop and introduce yourself. Yeah, love to talk please, to you guys. please. Um, in the past, we've we've kind of spent more time at these events, kind of selling, uh, but I think this time we're going to focus more on getting to know people. Right. Um, just just shaking hands, just getting to know people who are out there. So please, this is the event to come talk to us at. Definitely, um, yeah. and uh, yeah. If you have any kind of modeling uh, or hobby related questions, questions yeah. you want to just talk to us, get maybe share some experience, we'd love to do that. Right. Definitely yeah, find yeah. us, check us out. So um, if you're there, I think it's September, I want to say 3rd and 4th maybe. But check them out at novaopen.org, and uh, or I think I think it's just the Nova. But look, if you look up Nova competition for 40k for Warhammer, they have huge tournaments every year, painting seminars, classes. It's a really big event, Uh, but we're excited about going. How big are the gaming events? How many tables are we talking? Well, usually I think most of the tournaments there are around uh, 120, 150 people. So if you figure two people a table, that's around 60, 70 tables. That's a lot. It's a lot. lot. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the should be pretty big. Pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And that that's only in like let's say the 40k scene. They'll also have like an Age of Sigmar tournament. They'll may have a smaller tournament for like Flames of War or Bolt Action or something. But uh, a lot of active gaming. I would expect to see like X Wing maybe. Yeah, maybe some alpha. That game maybe. is getting hot. Yeah, I don't know it's, we haven't jumped on that yet. It's because we haven't had clients that have really requested it. We yeah. did have one guy a couple months ago request some models 
and he paid us a deposit, and then we never heard from him again. Really? Yeah, I followed up for weeks, and um, eventually I just stopped following up. If you, I have a, I have a termination agreement on the site where if you don't follow up with me within, it's either thirty or sixty days, mm-hmm. I consider the project null and void. Okay. So in that case, he had paid us like it wasn't a lot, forty bucks. Right. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if he died. Got out of a hobby, yeah, dropped off the map. Hopefully, hopefully not. But um, it's only happened a couple times in, in my whole career, and um, I was really—I I never knew what happened. Yeah. He just—he just dropped off. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But I hopefully, actually, if any of you guys are thinking about checking Malfi, I know it's a great system. It's different. It is. It's different. Um, and the reason I bring it up, we actually got a lot of commissions through Liberty Democracy specifically. Yeah. For Malfoy, it's a great uh, miniature range. We did a great job. People on it. maybe don't understand exactly what it is. It's a very yeah. small skirmish game. It's a skirmish game, yeah, and it uses less dice, more. It's kind of a like a deck for yeah. the game system. It's actually, but in terms weird. of the theme, it's like it's kind of it's a, weird. It's yeah, very it's, weird. it's out it's there. It's awesome. It's actually it, 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 it's it's a little gothicy. It's kind of it's. I wouldn't say creepy. It's not the right word. It actually is. Yeah. It's quite creepy. It's yeah. quite creepy. But it's a little weird west. It's a little gothic. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of a weird mix. Yeah, it's, think of it as your uh, back in the day D and D Dark Sun setting. Sure. That's you know kind of that's pretty good way to put it. I so think. Yeah, it's very cool. It's fun. It's fun, but the miniatures are really good. So even if you guys don't think of just checking, just picking it up, playing, definitely check out the models. They're awesome. Well, maybe we'll do some test models. Maybe yeah. we'll uh, maybe we'll, we'll try that out a little bit yeah. and see what we can come up with. Because I'm I'm always interested in, in appealing to a new client pool and, and sort of seeing what's right. out there. Right. Um, speaking of new client pool, we are going to announce a couple different things today in terms of specials. Um, with uh, bringing Val on board, we've restructured a little bit. And one of the things we looked at was um, how to offer more competitive rates. So we're going to talk about a couple of those things today. The first off is going to be a new special we're announcing called the Radio Silent Special. And basically the way this works in a nutshell, and you can email us about this to get more details, but the way this basically works is we will paint up your projects to Electrum level, which is a tabletop plus level, for a silver level price, which is a tabletop price. So effectively, uh, Electrum level is normally 50% more than tabletop. So let's say a tabletop level project would cost you $1,000. An Electrum level project would cost you, give or take, about $1,500. Now, you can get that savings, but there's a few rules to it. The yeah, first rule true. is creative license. You have to let us figure out how to paint the project. So if you come to us and you say, I want a vanilla space brain army, we're going to paint it any way we like. Now, we are going to give you test model approval. So we're going to say if you want to, let's say, uh, we'll do a couple different test models. If you approve one of them, great. That's what we're going to do. So in essence, what we're talking about is... You give us, uh, we discuss with you mm-hmm. what you want the army to look like. In Before, general, but the not concept, specific. The concept, right. You yeah. say that I want a red armor marine, a quarter uh, theme, I want the uh, colors to be red and gold. And we'll figure it out. Sure. So that's what... We could I, make it majority gold with red trim, or right. red with gold trim, right. or... The yeah. thing is, however we like it, however right. what we appeal to our artistic and aesthetics. Ideally, I would like it to be even more open than that. Like, let's say a Tau client came to us where there's, well, not Tau, let's say Tyranid. Right. I would love for them to be like, you know what, I want it to be a Tyranid army. I don't care what it looks like. That's perfect. Right. Like, then we get to really get creative. So effectively, what we've learned in the past is that clients generally like to tell us exactly what they want. Right. We're looking for the opposite. We're, We're looking, looking for, guys, blow me away. Here's, exactly. the, here's the project, here's the m- amount of models, right. guys, blow me away. Here's my budget, here's what yeah. I'm willing to spend, yeah. and we, re- we will reward you for that 
by trusting us by giving you a higher level of detail than you would normally get at that price point. Right. Now, the other side of this coin is the radio silence coin. And what that means is after the test model is approved, you will not hear from us again until the project's done. Normally, traditionally, every Monday we email our clients, we send them yeah. work in progress updates. That takes time. Yeah. Corresponding with clients takes a lot of time. They ask a lot of questions, and that's fair. You're paying for a product. You should get that. What we're saying is we're going to take that time we would normally be corresponding with you, yeah. translate that directly into painting. Yeah. And so the, the, the trade-off is less communication but a higher-level paint job yeah. with the exception of you let us pick how we paint it. Right. So you're, basically, you're saving money for your gamble that we're going to do an awesome job. It's a bit of a gamble. Yeah. But I think at this point we have o- almost 10,000 pictures on Flickr. Right. So the gamble is it's a it's a it's a it's a good gamble. Yeah. You yeah, can see the quality of the definitely. work. Um so it's not for the faint of heart, but for someone that has a, they want a project and they're they're they don't know what they want color-wise, this is perfect. Yeah. So we're going to start out with 3 of these. We're going to allow 3 clients to book these. Um, we're going to limit the amount. We're, we're going to limit the amount. We're going to do a test. We're going to do 3. And we're going to see what happens. So this is an open-ended deadline. There's no cutoff, mm-hmm. but we're going to do three of these. So when you're interested in finding out more about it, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Make your subject heading Radio Silence Special, just like it sounds, and then let us know what you're looking for. So we'll quote the project the same way we normally would. If you're like, hey, I want 2,000 points of Tyranid, it's great. We'll quote that project for you. Right. You can tell us the exact Army composition. We can magnetize options. If you're like, I want an all-bike chapter of Marines, no problem. Yeah. Or maybe the other way. You're like, hey, I, I want to really get into Malifaux, and I'm really open-ended for what I want to do there. Right. Great. We'll budget out $2,000 worth of Malifaux with materials or whatever. Yeah, it just depends. Um, right. So really, it, it's an open-ended deal, but we're really just looking to book a small number of projects to do a test market and see, see what comes out of it. So if that's you, contact us, let us know. Um, in addition, we're going to redo the board game pricing. We've talked about this a little bit on the show on and off about the fact that there are more Kickstarter games coming out now yeah, than yeah. ever before. Yeah. I mean, have you been on Kickstarter recently? Like, I've seen... I haven't been recently, mm-hmm. but I did look at the amount and different types of games. Yeah. I mean, or not, has been cranked out. Oh, yeah. Some of them are really awesome. Sure. Uh, it would be a blast to actually get into that. Yeah. Have, you know, have some of you guys, if you just picked up your new copy of Zombicide or Besieged, talk to us. Get in touch with us. We'd love to crank that out for you. So basically the way we're going to do this is in the past we've had a separate chart for RPG figures and board game figures. Now what we're going to do is we're going to, and by RPG I mean role playing figures, like, you know, your fantasy games, your adventures. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take those figures and we're going to move those back to the regular gaming chart. We're going to rename it something else. But board game figures will basically be 25% off our standard rates. So if let's say a standard 25 millimeter miniature costs, for sake of argument, let's say $15.00. It'll be 25% off of that. So, I don't know, roughly, what is that, three or four bucks, something like that? Yeah, something like that. So, you'll be able to save money. Now, the rule of thumb is, though, the figure has to be a solid cast figure. No assembly required. So, Zombicide is a perfect example of this. The miniatures have no assembly. They come to us, we wash off the mold release, and we prime. It's simple, fast, efficient. So, if you have, like, a Kickstarter game where these guys come already pre-cast, great. 
Now, that's if it's some, that's what we qualify. Exactly. Now, something like let's say Shadows of Brimstone, which we've previously qualified as a board game, we would actually qualify that more as a miniature game now, right. because there is some assembly required yeah. in some of those models. There's a, a fair amount, and on top of that, gaps have to be filled, mold lines have to be scraped. Yeah. Actually, looking at the, some of those model ranges, I mean, they look fine from they're the distance. They're not bad. Yeah. Yeah, they're not bad, but they're not regular high. Right, we've we've like gotten used to a higher quality with yeah, a lot of projects yeah, out but there. But usually the board games, uh, a lot of the Kickstarter games and cool mini or not games, they're not going to have that problem. They're going to be uh, right. PVC cast mini. Yeah, is, uh, exactly. Really good. So that's another thing we're going to shift. And finally, the last change is we're going to get a little bit more competitive on our character rates. So one of the new things we're going to do is when you order a wargaming project, like let's say a 40K army, a Space Marine army, really any kind of big project, if the characters generally match the color scheme of the army overall, let's say, I don't know, 80% or better, yeah. then we're going to price them 25% off. So we'll put that in context. Um, for a basic character like a Space Marine Captain in the past, at tabletop level, we've charged about $40 for that. Right. It's a little high, I think, in yeah. general. So what we'll do is we'll knock 25% off of that if he generally matches the rest of the army. So let's say if he's an Ultramarine Captain and an Ultramarine Army, he'll be 30 because really we're using the same color scheme, color palette. Now, where that varies is if you have, let's say, a chaplain or a tech marine or something like that, right. something that is off color, something that is not exactly the same, right. then we're so, going to charge normal. Something that we have to shift our normal production pipeline. Exactly. Let's say, um, to explain that, when we're, as an example, we're painting the ultramarines. Sure. We have a certain pipeline that we have structured to maximize efficiency. Right. So let's say we're base coating everything blue, and the captain is going to be the same color. That's exactly. what with that's we start the same. Now right, the exactly. detail level is higher. Right, right. But yeah. I mean that big step of you right. know large base coating. Now our tech marine is going to be a red armor, so we're right. going to have to break and shift that aspect. Exactly. And that's why we're knocking down the price for. You know, yeah, and it's not that we're not, it's not, we're, we're, we're not charging you more for the tech priest. Right. We're charging you less. We're rewarding you for having a model that's basically the same. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he does have higher levels of detail yeah. and more attention to it. But at the end of the day, the base coating's about the same. Yeah, and that's, more or less. that's what we're uh, yeah. talking about. Generally speaking. Yeah. I think it's uh, a great idea. Good. Good. Um, and we hope you too, too. So if you're interested in booking a project now with lower rates on characters and board games, please contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Um, all right, before we get completely out of the intro section, um, a brief note. Um, we still are working on the Charity Raffle Army for Nova Open Foundation. It's previously been project or titled Paint Over Hate. We may change that title. Currently, we're on a bit of a hiatus because Matt got bronchitis, unfortunately, and he's the project lead on that project. So now that he's recovering, we hope to get back on track on that. So tune in for updates. Um, hopefully by Nova, we'll have something firm in place. Basically, once we get the test model approved, um, we'll be able to sort of jump into production. So we're looking forward to getting into that soon. So even though we haven't had any active progress on it, it's still in the pipeline. Uh, finally, as a final note, uh, the General's Handbook came out this past month. This is the handbook for Warhammer Age of Sigmar Fantasy. So basically, it's a, a, essentially, at the end of the day, it's, it's points. Now you can play matched play, which allows you to play balanced games of Warhammer. So they brought that back, huh? They brought it back. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't stay away from the play yeah. Well, you know, they Generally managed to... You cannot, excuse, yeah. cannot escape your uh, and, roots. To be fair, I think this was mostly from player request. Oh, probably. Generally speaking. Probably. I know a lot of people got so disappointed and... 
so angry about right. the fact that they completely changed the system. They couldn't. They just well, made it silly. And a lot of people got disappointed in them yeah. because that's not where Warhammer roots are from. That's not why the game was loved. And to be fair, it's demand. always been a competitive game. Yeah, Even though yeah, they're definitely. they're trying, they've always wanted it to not be a competitive game. Yeah. But they can't help the fact that it is a competitive game. Right. Like they've always been trying to force it. Well, it's a beer and pretzels game. It's not. Right. It hasn't right. been since the inception. Yeah. You wanted it to be, but it wasn't. Um, but regardless of which, they introduced they reintroduced points into the game, um, and so because of that, we're hoping more fantasy players will switch over to Sigmar. We have a rebasing page on the the white metal site. If you go to services down to basing, you'll find a sub page for rebasing. So it's a little hard to find it, but basically, if you go to services basing, there's a sub page for rebasing. Go there, and you'll find all of our rates for rebasing your old Warhammer Fantasy models as Age of Sigmar models. And it's actually pretty price efficient. Like, basically, we pop them off the old bases, put them on new bases. The price of the new bases are included. And if you want to upgrade your project, let's say you want to put them on the new Shattered Dominion bases. Maybe you want to change them over to some Scenic bases, Resin bases, Secret Weapon bases, maybe. Uh, Maybe some Cork on there. Who knows? Um, we, We can absolutely help you with that. It's a great opportunity to maybe change the theme of your bases. There you go. Let's say you got tired of having that just uh, slapped on sand color there and you want to have it more of a jungle feel. This is a great opportunity to tackle that right Definitely. Change the whole look of your army. Absolutely. Not break break your bank. You've already spent thousands on your army. Don't sell it on eBay. Absolutely. Like, let's just rebase it. Like, you can continue playing with it for years. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to jump back in with On the Painting Desk right after this word from Frontline Gaming. Hey guys, PewDiePie here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? Do you have to lug around a bulky Realm of Battle table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Table Warp Fat Mat series. Our fat mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a fat mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into On the Painting Desk. This segment of the show is sponsored by Frontline Gaming. You can find more about them at FrontlineGaming.org. That's .org. Frontline Gaming are makers of, most notably, the ITC Terrain Series. They also do fat mats. It's something they're very well known for. Um, But they actually have a whole range of products and services. They do commission painting. They do consignment. They have sort of a a sell-back trade-in program. Um, They also are notably known for organizing the LVO, which is the Las Vegas Open every year. Um, In fact, recently we bought some ITC terrain you guys actually put together some of their yeah terrain. we put together one building that w- what was your opinion of that in, in building it um, I mean it's, actually, a, it's a well, actually Philip built it okay no, that was just well, what's your opinion in how it looks when it's done <laughs> uh, I see it as a great foundation because uh, I'm more again I'm more of a hobbyist sure right? I like to see what well what can I do with this yeah so yeah I think it's a great base for that absolutely uh, I do like the way that it snaps just together with just a little bit of super glue it it's looks pretty, pretty clean pretty efficient it, does, it yeah. is it, they did a really great job on uh, mapping out the uh, parts and the way they connected good. so I think that's actually a pretty good kit I'm excited to put a couple of them into use and frankly like even though they're really nice kits I'm glad that they have the, the, the ruined versions of them as well so you don't have to necessarily crash your kit. You can buy the... Oh, come on. That's the funnest part. That is fun. That is fun. There's no doubt Going about there that. Going there is just start, start kicking it around. But um, if you're looking for an efficient solution for not only game mats but terrain, check them out. Frontlinegaming.org.org. 
Um, all right, so um, what are you currently painting on, Val? What is on your desk I at the moment? I am currently working on a number of projects uh, simultaneously, which is <laughs> kind of a fun experience. It's a little bit of a challenge, yeah? Yeah, it is. It is. It takes, takes a bit of a discipline. But I'm currently working on um, not large, but... Couple of couple models on uh, Tau of Warless at Tau, which is it's a small project, but it's an elite project. It's yeah, a high it's a gold level. It's a gold level project, and um, and it's being fleshed out now. The toughest part about it is the client asked us to paint a huge number of magnetized. Yeah, it's weapons. something like seventy op- seventy it's weapons, seventy weapons, yeah. different weapons. So it's only six crisis suits, but there's seventy weapons between them. It's yeah, just yeah. for those magnetized weapons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's uh, two uh, ghost guild plus two uh, ghost kits in there. And uh, what we did the nifty little thing is he asked for uh, a bit of a conversion work there. So yeah. the act- the pilots are part of the base. They can be part as a kind of a small st- standalone showpiece where you can sure. mount the pilots on the base or uh, use them as separate. So that's fun little project. I mean, basically, the pilot is detachable, so you can either yeah. open the cockpit up and make it look like the pilot is out, or you can close the cockpit. So yeah. it's it's cool. It's a really yeah. nice little adjustment yeah. there. And we actually, I actually made the uh, two separate bases for the pilots, so they can be Even part better. of the Ghost Guild base itself, yeah, yeah. create that sync view, you know, kind of a little diorama, sure. or you can pop it off, put him on his own base, and. Separate. I, I think it's really original. It's a really good example of what you can do with the modularity of that kit. Yeah. Like, because the cockpit is designed to open, so right. I, it makes me wonder. They must have had this idea in mind. Like, not not necessarily that. I'm modeling, I'm modeling from a hobbyist aspect, right. which is actually really nice. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think they had the pilot. Uh, He's not separate. He was always meant to be in the cockpit. Like okay. what, what you've okay. done with him is basically. I use different parts. I right. actually did not use the part provided parts. From that kit, sure. I used uh, different uh, different uh, kit parts for the from the, like a fire kit. Yeah, 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 exactly. That makes exactly. sense. So, so that's one of your projects. What's the other big project? The second big project is uh, Warhammer Fantasy uh, Vampire Counts Army. Yeah, and it is the client did specifically ask to be part of the fantasy. Yeah, this is this is old school basics. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's gonna be a fun little project. There's uh, ten blood knights. Ten. Ten. Yeah. yeah. And it's a mix between pewter and uh, yeah, fine half cast. pewter, half fine cast. What did right. you find the big? Uh, did you find a big difference in working with those? Like in I terms of did. like, I yeah. did. Uh, metal is. I have not worked w- with uh, pewter kits that for the horses where they're half. Yeah, I you I worked with when you would have a combo of uh, pewter rider and plastic sure. horse. Uh, this was a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Uh, because this is a really old school kit, yeah. there is difficulty in assembling. There's a These lot were of back prep. in the day, I think, when they were hand sculpting kits. Oh uh, yes, yeah. I, if I'm correct, I'm not sure, but this is something we can actually check out. I sure. think this is these sculpts are actually the Perry sculpts. Mm-hmm. So you know they're really old school. Yeah, um, lovely sculpt. Yeah, it's a good looking model. But there's a lot of prep work. Sure, know? this is where you have to fill in gaps. And I found that quite a challenge. Yeah. Well, even in addition to that, there's a there's let's see, there's a coven thrown in that in that project. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's two train model. pieces. You've got a, a go or the, the mausoleum piece. What do they call that? The garden of garden Moore. of more. I actually had a blast painting that sucker. It looks I, great. I, it looks awesome. It's got a really nice patina going on all the copper roofing. Yeah. It's got a, it looks old and creepy. It's got yeah. it feels very cold to the look. Yeah. And then you've got a like a, kind of a dead forest going on with the other terrain. Right. Uh, it's a right. citadel wood, but I think you did as like a dead wood. Yeah. So it looks great. 
and it's going to be a lot, a little bit of uh, basic tricks and tips in there to uh, make everything tied together. And I know that he specifically asked the setting for both of those train pieces to be kind of a different theme than the army itself. It is, it yeah. Wants snow guy, kind of a the snow basic guys are on sand, like it's an undead legion on sand. Yeah. But then the terrain pieces, he wanted it in like a snowy theme. Right. And I, I didn't ask him why, uh, yeah. but I just, we said yes, no problem. Yeah, well, we don't ask Surely questions. he's got a good reason for it. Right, right. <laughs> and I think uh, that I'm going to definitely do it as the last resort when I have the sure. army completely done. Yeah. That's, because that's kind of a tricky stage, applying snow. Yeah. Uh, there are different, different techniques uh, to do it. I know people... Do it differently each month. We'll have to have a flocking podcast at some point yeah, I think to talk about topic. how people apply that kind of stuff. Definitely. So if yeah. you guys have any uh, opinion or you want to just share how you uh, your experience with working with modeling snow, you know, does. Uh, yeah, if you guys want us to talk out. about that, we'd be happy to. Maybe we could interview the guys from Woodland Scenics. They have a really good. Actually, yeah, I have a couple of ideas we, we might uh, uh, try to get a hold of. There's a couple of people that are really big into the scene. And they're actually terrain making. Um, uh, Caleb and I will talk about that. Maybe we can get those guys in as uh, guests. Yeah, to talk we've about. we've done we've done at least one terrain podcast, but I'd love to do another one. And yeah, um, yeah I, I think it'd be great. There um, are two people in mind that I have. One okay. is a British guy who runs a YouTube channel. There's a, another American yeah. uh, that runs a YouTube uh, channel as well. So right, great. We'll try to get maybe we get a hold of them. So that's something for you guys to uh, keep your eye on. Yeah, at the end of every podcast, we always ask what kind of guests you'd like on. So if you guys want us to do another terrain podcast, just let us know. Either through Facebook comments or through messages. You can also um, leave us a review on iTunes or just email us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what kind of guests you'd like. Um, so we'll be happy to talk about it. Um, well, like we said, um, Philip is briefly on hiatus. He's going to have a lot of little RPG projects next month. Uh, Jonathan did some um, scouts for us that you can currently see on the Flickr page in the Ultramarine theme. Dennis is currently working on a Silver Tower project for another client. And this is kind of a, a, a sample project. Um, it's not a traditional project in terms of like uh, our leveling system. I guess you'd call it an electrum level. But Dennis's style is pretty different than the rest of ours. So uh, he, he kind of does things a little differently. But I'm excited to see how that comes out. Yeah. Um, for me, you mentioned multitasking. I'm wrapping up the Stormcast project, which started small but grew to mammoth scale. Right. There's three mammoth. dragons in it, 14... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Dracothian Guard. Plus, right. there was an assortment of like terrain and retributors and liberators. Right. And so it's it's just become a real like uh, it, it started small, but it kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, and bigger. It became a haul. I know that Phil yeah. just recently, a little while ago, actually completed the Stormcast, a large right. Stormcast army. Huge. So Stormcast now you're tackling yeah. that as well. And his oh, army wow. only had one dragon. To be fair, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But wow. To, but this this client is um, it's it's a lower level, but I would say that probably. You know the model counts about the same okay. between all the big, the big figures and stuff. Now, do you have to also magnetize all the weapon options? No, well, fortunately, no. Around, yeah, right? now Philip got a lot of practice with magnetizing um, right. the, the, the models, the the, uh, the Dracothians. And to be fair, they actually magnetize pretty well. Right. Their stance is all the same, so basically, you magnetize at the wrist and call it a day. Right. So, What's, but the. Give, it is a small magnet, so it's kind of yeah. tricky. It's, it's tricky, yeah, but yeah. And the kit doesn't give you everything for all four options. Okay. We had to like pull spears from like uh, prosecutors, maybe really? or something like that, yeah, okay. to make it work because they don't. You can't do all four options because one of the shafts is used for like I think the hammer and the spear, right? Yeah. Right. So effectively, you're one shaft short per kit. 
or, or per per rider. Right. So we had now on that project it was okay, and that's one of the nice things about having a bunch of extra bits from every project is we can do that. Right. We can pull and be like, well, we have these left over from yeah. this. And, uh, definitely, that's a great resource that allows us to uh, do a, little, a lot of different things. Yeah. Even though, let's say if a client doesn't specify that, there's always that a, a little bit of artistic freedom that you can, you know, okay, I have this bit, I think it would be awesome. Usually it's, it works out very well, so that's yeah. definitely great I mean, cool. If you think your bits boxes are stocked, you should see our bits boxes. Yeah, like, they're, they're quite extensive. So we bring that resource to every project you bring us. Yeah. So if you're like, hey, I really want to do this, no problem. Like right. we, if we can do it within reason, we will. Now, if you come to us and you're like, I want 80 grav guns, I'm sorry. Like that resource <laughs> does not exist. But if you're like, hey, man, I'm thinking a couple melts, a couple plasmas, some flamers. Yeah, absolutely. we can tackle that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because there's always spares. So we're, we, I, no bit left behind. Right. Like I want to use actually one. a great punchline. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, when I start my bit service, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll use that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, as that's wrapping up, we still also I'm working on a Tau project, which is kind of new. This is different than the one Val's working on. This is an original color scheme. So that one's just starting to shape up now, but it's going to be um, white Tau with neon green paneling, which I like because nice. it's a, it's an opportunity for OSL, which I'm always excited about. Right. The Blood Knights project, which is in the Guardians of the Covenant theme, is coming along well. Um, I haven't showed Val that yet, but yeah, this is this that. is the first example of um, we're starting. We're, we've talked briefly about moving into a pre-shading model, right. and so I kind of give it a, gave it a, a whirl on this project. Yeah. You can assess whether or not uh, we're this is the right move or not. Right. Uh, but we're trying to. We've talked about this briefly on the podcast. We want to develop more of a brand, more of a style, right. and so that's the model we decided to adopt. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. We're gonna How'd you test. like it? How'd you like it? I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, what I like about it is that you get a lot of depth with with very little extra work. Right. Yeah. It's more efficient than yeah. Minimum effort, maximum efficiency. Exactly. That's, I mean, the, the main thing that most problem, in my opinion, the most problem most painters have is that their painting is very flat. Right. This solves that immediate problem. Right. Like effectively, all you're doing is you're you're painting highlights in black and white, and then you shade it with it with a color. And the you shade, also get that mod- you get modulation exactly. right there. And yeah, down. exactly. Yeah, so other painters have done this before. We've tried it with tents before. We've tried it with grayscale highlights. Mm-hmm. And this is just the next evolution of it. Right. Um, and, and to be fair, I think some studios do it, but I don't think a lot of studios have made it like a calling card. Um, right. I, I would say that Denim Imagination kind of does it. Well, to be fair, a lot of their highlights are pretty natural. Haven't. If, yeah. uh, you take a look at what's available, you know what people with different artists do. Uh, Americans usually, for some reason, picked up more on the Blanchitza, where uh, style that was developed by John Blanchitza, one of the artists that drove the driving factor. Uh, for the visual style of the Warhammer and Warhammer, specifically 40k setting, yeah, and uh, Do you it, like the heavy metal style. No, no, not exactly the heavy metal. Heavy metal built upon that. Uh-huh. They refine that, sure, if you will. Where you have, you know, you apply a flat coat, then you modulate it with either shading or highlight right. as a next step. Um, you appreciate system was you blend on the base coat as right, opposed to blending right. at the base coat. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. More European uh, high level painters, they everybody uh, appreciates. Like yeah. if you look at the artist uh, Banshee, you know that's what he bases his painting right. style on. Yeah, and I think that's actually it's a step up. Now, a lot of artists will highlight with like an airbrush or they'll shade with an airbrush, but it's a little different than a pre-shade. Definitely. It's it's a way to, it's a next step. Exactly. It's not something you can just 
Now you can add to that. You could pre-shade a model and still highlight that, right. that's or what still I mean. shade that's what, down. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. What I, that's what I mean. Yeah. But you also, it's a way to, it's a quick reference. Okay, yeah. this is where it's going. If I need to adjust it, you know, then I'll, when I already have the base code sure. applied, that's when you adjust exactly. it. Exactly. I don't know. It's, I love that style. That's usually how I work. And, and um, we're going to take that and we're going to run with it and we're going to see where it goes. So look for that shift um, in the next, over the next year, we're hoping to shift into that. Yeah, we'll and do we'll, it softly. We'll, we'll do it softly. We won't do a hammer. Right. Hammer yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Because in that way, because here's the thing, some of our clients are like, I wanted you to paint it like the box. Okay. Right. The pre-shading model won't apply there, but we don't want to lose those clients. Definitely. But we also want to elevate our painting style. So what we're hoping is to kind of keep our old clients happy but also gravitate to a new client pool, maybe that want a higher level of, of shading. Right. And, and we're hoping that, that we find them. All right. So keep, guys, keep an eye out on that. Uh, keep with us, and uh, you should see the transition. Um, in addition to the Tau project and the Blood Knight project, I just finished up a uh, skiff for Gorka Morka for one client. We're getting a lot of these orky requests these days, which are a lot of fun. We've got a looted um, Arachnarok coming up. That's going to basically count as, um, uh, we're going to count it as either a looted wagon or a battle wagon or a big mech, depending on what they want to use it for in game. Right. Um, or a mega, mega, I forget what they call that thing, mega dread, mega dread. Okay. Uh, anyway, so we're getting more and more of those kind of custom requests, which I really like. We just did some custom archers for a guy who they actually, we're not painting them. They're going out to Brandon at GMM. Okay. So he's going to be painting those. Nice. But the client requested that we build them. Um, and Brandon was cool with that because originally I was like, "Well, are we cutting into his budget? If Brandon wants to build them, he can do it." Yeah. But yeah. The, the Brandon was like, "No, no, let them do it." So I'm curious to see how he paints them up. I'd love to see That'd what he awesome. does. With them, so. Now here's the question for you: You uh, you really enjoy the actual the converting part I love of the hobby? It. Yeah, yeah. That's what you. Want it's my to. bread and butter. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's actually pretty cool. Kind of turns into a co-op with uh, GMM. Yeah. And you guys already, uh, Philip and you already have interviewed. Uh, we we talked Brandon, to them on a podcast. So. Yeah, so, so we have a relationship with him. Nice. Now, sp speaking with Brandon, it's very clear that we have different business mentalities. Yeah. But that's okay. Um, he is—he's a great painter. He provides a great service, um, and I'm—I'm very—I'm honored to see what he'll do with the models I built. Yeah. Um, I, I know that he'll do a better job than I could have. Uh, and I'm very excited to see what he does with it. Yeah, that'll be great to uh, yeah. see what, how it turns out. I like that. I like when artists combine their talents. Yeah. You know, kind of a co-op is a good way to put it. Right. Um, in addition to that, I'm also working on a Sicker Inventor from Forge World for a Space Wolf client. That one kind of came out of eBay. That was a, a small and simple project that will be showing up soon. Nice. And we've got a few Reaper Demons coming up for a repeat client. So lots of different stuff on our work desk right now. Look for all of those updates in the pictures for this podcast when this airs on Bell. Um, but in addition to that, check out all of our work at whitemetalgames.com. Go to gallery. That'll take you right to our Flickr gallery. There's over 10,000 photos on it right now. Right. And they're sorted by albums, by themes, by artists. So yeah. really, there's no excuse not to find what you're looking for. Search by tag. And I also mean, check it out on Instagram. We're doing a, a little bit of these uh, kind of uh, sneak and tease updates. Yeah. You can also uh, see what's going on there. Check it out. Definitely. Well, we're going to take a brief break, and then we'll jump back in with our um, rotating segment on Services Spotlight, and we'll be right back after this brief word. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our service spotlight tonight. We're going to briefly talk about our LED page. 
Um, so LEDs, for people who don't know, stands for light emitting diode. And basically it's the little glowy lights you sometimes see on models. People have started to experiment with this in the past. You, you saw this on dioramas in the past quite a bit, like Christmas yeah. dioramas, that kind of thing. Yeah. And people have started to incorporate them into their models, vehicles specifically, headlights, klaxons, terrain, terrain laser guns, that kind of thing. Actually, I actually saw uh, one guy did a whole Space Marine mod, uh, army with LED uh, eyes. Really? That was nice. Uh, that was nuts. It was an Imperial Fist. Uh, true scale army. It was actually really cool. That's impressive because yeah. having experimented with these now for a couple of months, they're not as easy as you'd think. Like they mm. actually require some work. Yeah. Um, so Dennis, one of our painters, he brought this to me and he was like, let's, let's do a service page. He's got a lot of experience with it. So we did some samples and we put up a pricing page. Um, we've done a few samples just to sort of show you what we can do. Right. Uh, it's still a very new service, but we're excited about expanding it. Um, unlike your Imperial Fist guy, as a general rule of thumb, big, the bigger the model, the easier it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, generally speaking, like a Bane blade or a Stomp, it would be good for this. Right. Um, a Terminator, not so much. Um, right. yeah. But terrain is a really good example of this. As we expand our terrain service, we would love. I would love to see more LEDs used, yeah. because then for stuff like, you know, effects on boards, and display like, boards, would yeah, be awesome for absolutely. So if you guys are thinking of. Uh, Maybe you already have an army. You're thinking of taking it to an Adepticon. Let's say next year's Adepticon. You want to just think, okay, there might be a way I can just pump that wow factor in. Sure. Give us a shout. We'd love to uh, collaborate that. Maybe build a display board for you and yeah. incorporate some of the LEDs in there. And it's actually cheaper than you think. It's really not that bad. Yeah. We kind of bulk it up based on the number you do. It gets a little bit cheaper. Right. Um, but there's lots of different options. You can have blinking lights. You can have lights that erratically blink, yeah. steady blink. You can have kind of ones that flash. Um, so you, you know, can get some of those actual yeah. visual effects in there. Different colors. Yeah. We can do um, um, fiber optics where they'll be the light will be split off into different shades. It's really yeah. neat. Um, so so check out the page. Go to whitemetalgames.com/services, and then under services you'll find LEDs. And I think it's I think the page is like LED and fiber or optic fiber. Uh, but pricing is very reasonable. We're looking to expand that service. So if that's something you'd want to do, uh, the only real restrictions are we prefer it on a new model that we have to build. It's pretty hard to do it on an old model. Yeah. We have to crack that thing open, and it's not easy. So it works best on new models and big models. Right. Um, but, but essentially, you can do it with anything, even starting at, like, rhino size. You can really do it. Um, but it's, it's a cool thing. If you want to have that added to, like, let's say a knight, great. We'd love to do it. Yeah. So generally, just think about it that we have to hide the actual component battery. Yeah, that's yeah, the, and the wires, of course. That, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. So I actually don't know how that guy did it on those uh, true scale marines. I, I have no idea. I'm yeah, gonna, as soon I'm as show, as soon as you explain that. that, I was like, well, well, how do you do that? How is that was even extensive? I'm sure. guy did an he would have had job. that would have been a, a labor of love. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It certainly. Was. He would have had to have drawn drilled through the eyes, through the head, through the torso, out into the base. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. It That's was cool, awesome. though. Very yeah, neat. It looked, it looked really striking. Yeah, so. if they weren't true scale, I think that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> but yeah. All right, well, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump back in with tips on technique, and we're going to talk all about glues, and we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? 
Black Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about glue and epoxies. And um, we get the question, I, I, it's a surprising amount of the time, I get the question, what kind of glue do you use? Yeah. And it, it always mystifies me that there are hobbyists that have been in the hobby for a long time that are still confused about the glues. And yeah. I, I don't say that to be pretentious or like, how can you not know? Yeah. I'm just saying that I don't think the glue companies have done a good job in explaining the purposes of all these glues and what their intended purpose is for. So tonight we thought we'd demystify it a little bit, kind of explain the glues, what we use them for, maybe uses you haven't thought of, um, right. that kind of thing. And we'll, we'll answer, well, we only got one question, so we'll answer the one question we got. Right. We don't have a lot of viewer questions. Uh, but this is a good time to remind you, if you do have viewer questions, you can email them to us at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. You can always leave us a message on our Facebook page, which you can link to from our regular page, White Metal Games. Uh, and in, in addition to that, you can always check us out on iTunes. You can download us on the go. And please, if you do go to iTunes, leave us a review. It helps us to show up better in the search parameters. More people can hear about the podcast. Help us spread the word. Leave us a review. Right. Don't be shy, guys. If you have any questions, you just want to chat, you know, get in touch with us. We'd love to uh, get the feedback going. So, so I guess um, just to sort of jump right in, there are a surprising number of glues out there for use right. in hobby and commercial hobby. Um, but probably the main ones that most people use are plastic and superglue. Right. So I thought just to sort of separate the pack, because that's probably what 99% of people use. Yeah. And they're probably the confusion is, what are they generally used for? Yeah. So um, uh, I'll, I'll kind of start. Um, right. So um, superglue, um, and sometimes you'll see it labeled as something like cryo-accelerate. I think or it's not cryo, it's like syro or... Or some weird word like right. that. Uh, but, but essentially, if you see some sort of word like that, it's a superglue. Yeah. Uh, it, it was originally developed, I think, for use in the Army. It was designed to patch skin, which is why it sticks to your skin so well. It was a medics tool. Really? I did not know Yeah, that. like medics, if they had to like basically do like um, a quick and simple bandage in the field, right. you pinch your skin and squirt, squirt some skin. That's the myth. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I've been told that story enough times that I believe it. Right. Um, I know there was a, a to take a little bit away from that. Uh, I know there was a medical glue, but it's a little bit more rubbery based. Maybe so. so maybe like, maybe it's, that's it's, where this that maybe that's where it originated. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But but effectively, super glue dries, and I think that's part of the, the thing is super glue dries with air contact. Yeah. Like that's how it dries, which is why you see people blowing on it. Right. Now, super glue will, as a general rule of thumb, bond anything, yeah. basically. Like, effectively, it works as an epoxy between two surfaces. So, pewter, it will bond plastic, right. and it will bond wood or sand or whatever. Right. But uh, it comes in different viscosities. You'll see it in thick or thin. Different companies will make it at different viscosities. Right. As a rule of thumb, the thinner it is, the faster it, it dries, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's not good for everything. Um, and, in fact, I only recently heard this, is that when you see... The white stains on models, which are commonly referred to as glue scarring, right. um, that happens because the glue can't breathe. So if the glue um, can breathe effectively, and what they mean by that is there's air, air can get to it, right. then you won't get a glue scar. Right. Whereas, let's say if you put it beneath something and the seal is perfect, 
there and air can't get to it, you will get a glue scar. You'll get that misting. Yeah. Or at least that's what I've heard. And you see this a lot on flight stands. Like when people Definitely yeah, yeah. Like that's and flight stands are where one of those places where you should be using plastic glue because it does not leave a glue scar. Right. Right. If you glue it at all. If you're, if you're planning on having the plastic stand being clear. Sure. Painting, yeah, you don't have to worry about That's it. true. So. But um, in, in terms of, like, plastic glue is, you know, people get misled with that. Plastic glue only works on plastic. Yeah. And it works differently on different types of plastic. Has that been right. your experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there, the majority of, there are two major types of plastics used in, uh, in our hobbies. There's the... Uh, hips, which refers to as high impact, and that's the plastics that you get on your GW kits, your airsoft kits. Um, there, and then there's your uh, PVC, which is a harder plastic. Now, the plastic glues, the plastic cements, as they refer to, what they do is they will melt two parts of the plastics, and basically, in, in essence, they will weld them together. Sure. So, um, with the uh, PVC plastic, that's not the case because you have a different uh, uh, chemical structure to the material. It will not work as well. It'll still work to a degree, but just not as well as in the softer plastic. Sure. And in actuality, some people do ref- prefer to uh, stick to one type of product. Like I say, I see a lot of people, uh, even professional and commercial artists, uh, use just specifically super glue for everything. Sure. I do not agree with that logic. I think there's a dedicated tool for dedicated material. Well, and to be fair, plastic glue, which is often referred to as plastic cement or plastic weld, yeah. it, it, it really what it does is it actually it actually melts the plastic. Right. So they bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So as opposed to super glue, which is more like... Just, you, uh, just the jointed parts exactly. together. It's still a brittle joint. Right. Now, on pewter, you also pin it so it's, it does create a stronger joint. Right. Um, so, yeah, in essence, uh, but to put that in context, for example, when you drop a model off a table, as as happens sometimes, yeah. the natural break point is it will break wherever the least, wherever is the most. Uh, what do they call it? The the stress point, maybe like yeah, the, the, the most brittle place or the yeah. place where yeah. You know. So with a plastic model, which you've glued with plastic glue, effectively it's all one piece now. Yeah. So the chances of breakage are much much lower. Yeah. So it's going to be the thinner cast. Thinner. Right. Uh, thickness of the plastic that's going to break up than the joint where it's welded right. together. Whereas with super glue, and specifically if you use like an accelerant, yeah. it will make it pretty brittle. Right. That's mm-hmm. where, so if you drop that, that's where it's probably going to break instead of the part of the pewter itself. Now, to play the devil's advocate for a second here, if you are looking to maybe uh, break a model apart for whatever reason, right. it's a lot easier if it's glued with super glue, usually, in my opinion. Because it's brittler and you can crack it, whereas super glue, it's welded, so it's so much harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sorry. Yeah. So it's much harder to rip that weld apart than right. uh, now. The other side of that coin, though, is when you're building a model with, with plastic glue, you can kind of position parts. You can play with yeah, them a little bit. Yeah, you still have the play time. You have time for that. Whereas with super glue, it's much you harder. You have to be more precise. So there is a trade-off to it, and I do understand why some people would actually prefer even to stick with uh, plastic or with a super glue on plastics. Now, one thing that, again, you would get, let's say, if you're, uh, uh, if you're painting, let's say, the uh, Storm Talon kit, mm-hmm. right, you know you're going to have the carpet visible, and sure. I know a lot of people do that. Uh, you definitely do not want to, in any case, 
do not want to use super glue to glue that cockpit. And no, because it'll miss. You're instantly going to get that missed. Right. On the flip side, you that's an effect that you can control. That's true. So it, 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 it amounts of using a different um, effect from a different uh, product. Well, I've never really used the misting in a good way. I can't ever think of a time where I was like, I really want this to mist. I'll use super glue. Right. Like, in, in essence, it's more of a planning. Yeah. So yeah. you can get that. You know, it's it's like, well, I want this part of the model to be actually shiny. Sure. I'm going to have to plan for that. Well, how am I going to apply that? Sure. Do brush and airbrush. So it's an effect that you can. It's controllable. Yeah. If you're think consciously thinking about it, and they actually can add. I actually, I think to that's it. a great way to characterize it because always what we're always fighting for is control. Yeah. Like we want to have control over every effect. So at the end of the day, if that's a variable we can manipulate, that's good. Yeah. That's something we can use. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I was going to go with that. But So, you know, basically, super glue, plastic glue, the names kind of say it. Plastic is for plastic. Super is for basically everything. Yeah. Um, uh, and you can kind of plan ahead there. But if you want to avoid the misting, as a rule of thumb, don't use super glue on clear canopies, clear plastics. You will generally get that mist. And as far as I know, there's no way to get rid of it. Really, there are tips and tricks, mm-hmm. uh, but the level of how much you can actually get away. Sure. If you have a, just a very slight misting effect, I know some people will use uh, nail polish or aston to eat away at that layer of. Uh, That's a good point. Like something like acetone, which is basically right. nail polish remover, right. that will dissolve super glue. But to be fair, you guys have to always think about it will it will never get rid of everything. No. So there's a degree where you can tone it down. If it's an extensive misting over a canopy, you're not gonna uh, you're not gonna get rid of that. You no. can tone it down. So just try to plan ahead and think of it. these products were developed for a specific reason. Now the nice thing about your canopies, while we're on that topic, is that because they are plastic, yeah. you can once you're done painting your model, use a little bit of plastic glue to glue that onto the model. Yeah. Um, now people have there's a lot of conjecture here about that you have to strip away the layer exactly divide, which and to be you know in theory it would be stronger if you did yeah stripping away if you if you're going to do that stripping away a little of the paint on the inside of the canopy bar where it's going to mount to right. will create a stronger bond but I've learned you don't have to. Right. If you're melting the super glue on the canopy, when that chemical reaction ends... It will eat through the paint it layer. Will, it'll, it'll grip it. Yeah. It's just not as strong. Because I used, I used to hear this old thing about, like, you never glue a painted model with super glue. Yeah. I used to think, well, why is that? And the reason is because you're not actually gluing the model. You're actually gluing the paint. Exactly. Yeah, and the paint will strip away. Yeah. So effectively, if you're going to do that, you want the strongest bond possible. Right. So ship a little of the paint away wherever the bond's going to be. And that's where you glue. Yeah. Um, I know there was actually a lot of painting styles developed through that. And exactly for that sake of argument, mm-hmm. well, some people will fully assemble the miniature. Sure. Exactly for that part. Well, I can't get a strong bond with plastic glue. And again, as Caleb just said, it's not necessarily true. If the plastic glue is plastic cement, will eat through the paint layer. Because here's the thing. The paint bond. is partially plastic. Like, I mean... It's a... It's, uh, it's, uh, uh, I can't remember what the term is. It's an ex- it's in actuality acrylic is a uh, resin medium, right? And that's exactly what a plastic exactly. is derivative of. It's a resin gum. It's not as strong as so, a direct connection to connection. No, but it, but you're right. Like it's still the same material. Exactly. Type. It's just a diver- derivative of that. So sure, exactly. 
Uh, okay. Um, so um, before we move on completely, when you do, we just mentioned this with acetone. Here's a quick pro tip. If you have a lot of glue on your tip of your um, super glue bottle, um, don't chip it away with a clipper. Don't chip it away with a knife. Instead, soak it in acetone, which is basically a chemical that is used to remove stuff. Your wife probably uses it for nail polish remover. So steal a bottle of hers, soak your stuff in it, and then afterwards, what I do is I keep it in a jar because it will um, it will dry out on air contact. It's acetone yeah. is designed to dry in air. Yeah. So close your bottle up, keep it airtight. Don't put it in a plastic cup. It'll eat through that. It has to be glass. So like an old spaghetti jar maybe or something like right. that. Wash it out well. Uh, and be sure it's airtight. But then I just do that. All, I'm always soaking my, my super glue tips. Yeah. Um, and my caps too, actually. It won't dissolve those. So There's a couple of tri- uh, tricks to that. If, let's say, your super glue bottle has cured inside the nozzle, yeah, that'll be a great way to do it. Sure. Just dilute a little. Now, if it's just an overgrowth of cured super glue, you can actually use the back of your knife. You can just peel it. it uh, don't cut through the bottle. Sure. Just peel it through the side of it. Right. Usually cap it off. Obviously, um, be careful. Definitely. Um, but, you know, if you're... But, point is is that we see that a lot where the, the bottles clog up yeah. so that's it's a nice way to sort of chip it off but definitely now while it's still on the subject the way uh plastic bottle plastic uh glues will also clog up that's true usually uh there's a a great glue is the testers plastics man and for the final modeling they have a nozzle tip like a metal nozzle tip mm-hmm. for finer more controlled finer application. application yeah yeah, and those things will clog up. They do. A great tip for getting that unclogged, take a lighter. Just heat that thing in, mm-hmm. squeeze the bottle so it pushes the air out, so it's actually not suctioning the flame inside. Right, you don't want to blow and, up the bottle. Yeah. yeah. Well, it won't blow up, it just will have a it, it, it just burns but, it out. Yeah, but what that will do is it will push those vapors and the clog through yeah. that, and it will actually melt it out. And you can continue working. So that's they, on the testers bottle specifically, they also include a small rod with every box. Too. Yeah, people throw those away. Those things get lost. Even they if do. You're not trying to throw it away. They, they do. Get lost. But so. if you keep one on your, I keep a couple on my desk because yeah. of that. Because you're right, the flames, the fire solution does work. Another solution I've heard is that if you just take the needle on the bottle, the applicator, and flip it over, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is pull it out of the bottle and then put it back in, it will. The plastic glue on that end of the bottle will, will now eat the cloth. So right. it, it's slower, but it does work. I actually like to keep that thing secured because yeah. otherwise, if you do that enough times, it actually it's hard. It's, Once you can get actually spills from that you joint, can. yeah. That, that I just it's not the preferred solution, but it is an option out there if people are like because what I don't want to have happen is a bunch of twelve year olds go home and start burning their plastic, <laughs> and they tell their no, mom like, no, "Well, no, the guys no, at no, work no. council said to do this. We didn't. No, like no. We're, we're telling you there are safer ways to unclog it, yeah. but fire is an option." Uh, no, that's more. That's again, guys. You, you always want to be responsible with your materials and the way you handle them. So this is a responsible way to handle them. So please be careful. I get the question a lot, and now that we jump into, um, we're doing more and more resin models, yeah. um, and specifically a lot of companies now, private to your press, they mix their kits. Yeah. You get metal and plastic. Um, a lot of people ask me, what do I use for resin, like Forge World resins? Right. What do I use for fine cast? How do I mix metal and plastic models together? So for all of those, I use super glue. Yeah. But, and people have said they've had trouble with that, and I understand that. 
Um, I have heard one alternate solution that I thought was pretty great, but it's a little trickier. And this particular artist, what he does is he mixes a small amount of resin. Actual resin. And he actually uses resin to bond resin. Right. So in this case, for example, let's say you're joining together two parts that fit together perfectly. He'll mix together a small amount of a fast curing resin, like a five-minute set. Now, he'll mix it together, and he'll apply it, dab it on like a glue. He'll hold the part together. It'll cure in, in a roughly five minutes. He doesn't have to hold it the whole time. Right. He just has to secure just it. tack it in. Exactly, secure. tack it in. Right. And what happens is it's sort of like plastic glue. The resin will harden. It will literally bond to the other resins. Exactly. And it effectively is a stronger way to do it. Now, the downside of that is most people don't have resin in their painting arsenal. Yeah. And if, you're not use, if you don't use resin, it's it's not it's not hard to use it, but most hobbyists wouldn't really understand. It's tricky. It's tricky. Resin uh, plus there's a lot of waste. You only have so much of a window to use it. Well, that can you actually calculate. Yeah. To, to be fair, that you, you can. can actually control how much you mix. Uh, it's tricky to get that. It's the same amount of planning how much green stuff am I going to mix together. Sure. You know, it's the same thing. The and yeah, it's a great way. Especially if you're working on your larger miniatures. Sure. Or let's say, again, Forge World is an example because, let's be frank, Forge World is probably the biggest amount of kits, resin kits, that is on the market. I would say so. So it's predominant there. Um, on big kits, let's say a Thunderhawk. Sure. When you're going into gluing that wing to the hull, you have a small point of contact, surface area. Right. And you want the strongest bond. Obviously, you're going to pin it. Sure. And but super glue is never gonna hold that in. Place. Not alone. No. It will secure it, even if you have it pinned. As you know, soon as you bump it or nudge it, it's, it's gonna, off. it's gonna, break. it's flying off yeah. on its own direction. Now, for that, obviously, you do want a better bonding agent, and here resin is a great way. Sure. Um, and again, to be fair, on this is on large kits. This is definitely on large kits. So it's more on for an advanced model. Yeah, like a big model, like exactly. a, a Titan or a Knight a or something like that. Thing. But you wouldn't okay. use it on, let's say, a fine cast character that's 28 no. millimeters. There's no point. No. Like it's no. it's not enough. It's not needed. It's right. it, you don't need that strong that joint to be that strong. And again, fine cast is probably going to snap in half before that joint. <laughs> in any case, sure. So. Um, it is a great way of doing it. It does take more discipline and planning and how much you mix sure. and application. And obviously, you want to wear a respirator. Right. Working with resin vapor is extremely toxic. You never want to do that. Sure. Even if you're working outside, let's say outside, you're doing this outside, you're still going to be inhaling that vapor. Somebody that has never dealt with resin, either casting or work with it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit your sinuses straight away. And you never want to do that because you're act, what you're actually doing is it's actually going to cause a chemical burn to your sinuses and soft tissue. So, yeah, we've often joked about if painters could, you know, they have a limited lifespan because of all the chemicals we breathe in. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, obviously, you're not dealing with like commercial volumes and quantities. Also, as a side note on resin, if you are going to use resin, be sure to put down some some sort of drop cloth or something. Because okay. anything it dries on, it will bond to. Yeah. I actually, I had to scrape it off my cement floor a few weeks ago because yeah. I found some spills and I was like, I had a, I had a pickaxe out and I was scraping yeah, it like a miner. That thing is not easy to dig no, it, it it bonds well. All it's right. a strong bond. So. so, All right, so let's move into some of the um, less common glues we see out there. Um, Two-part epoxies. These are glues that you actually mix together 
Um, normally in equal parts. One is a hardener, one is the, one is the, the main filler, yeah. as they say. And um, when you put them together, they, they, cre- they have a chemical reaction, and then they normally cure slowly. Traditionally, I've seen these used for everything. I mean, really, green stuff is basically a, a, a physical version of this, right. not a liquid version, right. but, a, but, a, but a, a material. What not, not, it's not liquid, it's what? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, basically, I've seen these before. I've used them on some things. The bond they create is very strong, right. no doubt. Here's a couple of the cons. You have to hold it or lock it in such a way that it will cure. Yeah. So you may need a vice. You may need a big stack of books that you can kind of arrange it on. Yeah. Uh, it will drip. It will drip out slowly. So you have to be careful of drippage. Um, so it's not the perfect solution. Right. But I will say the bond is quite strong. I've used it on um, Forge World models, resin models. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been very pleased with the strength of the bond. Yeah. But it's a slow cure. I, I did a horror specs, not a horror specs, a Harridan about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I did that for some of the parts. And I was really impressed. Like, it was a sturdy model. Yeah. But where the places where they, it seeped out, I had to peel those back. I had to clean them up. And, yeah, so it's more, more clean. It does uh, require some uh, after work clean, uh, obviously work and prep work um, sure. on the model. Now, um, in the epoxies, you also have a range of them, there you have the more liquid. You have a gel base. Sure. Make sure you have more of a solid. Sure. Like the uh, the nitty team, the green stuff, and sure. the white stuff, metal, milk, milk, whatever. Um, and again, you can use that. They each have their own properties and different applications. Uh, let's say the liquid or the gel ones is a good alternative for the resin. Sure. That's you know that's what. Yeah. No, want. I agree. Um, the downside, like, but the downside again. Each material is also going to have the pros and cons, and you really got to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say for the more liquid parts, they are going to drip. More gel ones, they're going to be more secure, but you need to have a less surface area because when you push both parts together, it's going to expand out of those seams. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Exactly. So the uh, more solid ones, like let's say the green stuff. The downside of that is you have to overlap the two parts together to sure. get that. You can't just spread them out on the joint itself and call it a day. It's never going to hold. I mean, I think green stuff is great for sealing gaps, but I don't think I'd ever use it as a glue. Like Sometimes it does. Actually, yeah. back in the day when you had less options for like the epoxy, uh-huh. you just had the nitidine. I think it may be one of the first ones that came out. Just the, the nitidine, not the, obviously the brand name green stuff. Uh, yeah, and for people that don't understand that, what you're saying, like green stuff is a brand of... Of a product. Right. Of a material. It's yeah, not it, the material. It's right. Not. It's like saying a Band-Aid. It's like, it's a brand of a, of a bandage. Yeah. Like it's not, we've come to, we've come into say, we've come into commonly call green stuff We're what it is. We're assimilating on brand exactly. for the term. Right. So. And, and I think it's, I mean, I think it is called like Nita Diet. It's Nidotine Epoxy. Yeah. Yeah. It's what, are, what is it? What is so, it? you know, for, like green stuff is actually not what it's, it, we, it's what we call it. Yeah. But it's not, and not actually what it is. Uh, but yeah, that's 100% right. So, um, speaking of expanding, um, here's another type of glue on the market that I've recently began experimenting with, and it's called Gorilla Glue. And Gorilla Glue came onto the market maybe five or six years ago. It, it's kind of a newer glue. What's different about Gorilla Glue is it actually does expand as it dries. Now, again, that's a, that's a brand name, Gorilla Glue. Sure. 
So there's a specific. That's thing, fair. Because they have a specific. They have different ranges. They make super glue. They make PVA. So there is a specific product they make, You're which right. is an expanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think when Gorilla Glue first came on the market, their primary product that's what, that was, was the, the expandable okay. glue. Okay. Now they have added to that over they the years. They've added tape. Much. They've added super glue. Okay. But the original product that we would commonly call Gorilla Glue was not only a strong bond, but it was basically a foam. It expands, and when it expands, it expands like foam. Okay. So as a test, just take a little bit of it and glue it down on a piece of wax paper. Watch what it does. Over 24 hours, it will expand. Now, it's okay. It's great for gap filling, but what it's not good for is models because as it expands, it will actually push parts away from each other. Okay. So it does the opposite of what you want it to do. Whereas super glue shrinks and contracts, yeah. this stuff expands and presses out. Now, is there a use for it? Absolutely. People have started experimenting with stuff like effects, if they want to make drool, puddles, yeah. blood, whatever. Lots of uses for it. Not necessarily gluing models, though. Right. Um, now, let me ask you, have, you've worked with this stuff. I have. You, you've doubled, doubled into the, uh, like the uh, product test and such. What kind of finish does it get? It's a shiny, kind of high-gloss finish, and it's okay. got a, a, a very tight texture in the same way that like expanding foam if you've ever used expanding foam yeah. like to insulate something yeah, yeah. it has that sort of um chitin's the wrong word but like a, a, almost like an exterior finish like it's it's like hard like you could tap on it okay it's but, like that but it's not like it doesn't it's, it's like a shell it's not porous like no foam not at all so it's completely smooth yes. it gives a completely smooth yes. surface um is it clear or is it opaque it's opaque and it's kind of like a brown cloudy color. Okay. So okay. it's the color. It is actually it, it the the color the glue always is that color. Mm -hmm. So it maintain it just it just it just maintains the color properly. Yes. Okay. It doesn't shed. exactly. Okay. Whereas PVA glue, for example, dries Ooh, clear. Dry clear. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, speaking of PVA glue, people commonly associate PVA glue. Um, so I, I I looked it up the other day because I never knew what PVA stood for. Polyvinylacetate. There you go. Yeah, uh, so you know, if you break down that word, polyvinyl acetate, I mean, basically, polyvinyl is a nice way to say it. it's, it's basically like a, a common plastic glue, like plastic's part of the medium. Right. It's and it's a re it's actually made. It's the same resin sure. type derivative. Yeah. Uh, so if you think of uh, anytime you hear those terms, PVA, polyvinyl, polyacetate, they're all resin or plastic derivatives in some way. Yeah. They're all yeah. part of that family. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the source, if we will, it's the same source product. Sure. Right. That. That. So it's, yeah. It's, exactly. It's like your. It's like your acetone benzene gas. What you call it? Mm -hmm. What you call gas and benzol product. All of that is a derivative of oil. Right. So. So when when Games Workshop sells you PVA glue in a small bottle for eight dollars, they're basically selling you Elmer's glue. Exactly. Like yeah. school glue. Elmer's glue is a polyvinyl acid yeah, glue. So stop buying that from them. Yeah, we're kind of going against. Adam in this case, I am now because because they've gotten they they did a it's smart. Ridiculous. It's they, ridiculous. It was very smart for them to relabel it as PVA because then people were like, oh, I need that. That's different. It's not. It's white glue. Here's the thing. Um, and this is exactly because I'm I'm coming from a different country. You know? uh -huh. This is to me it's hilarious because they're like school children in Russia. Were, all know PVA glue is Elmer's that's glue. That's what something. we know. We, there right. is no Elmer's glue. Okay. We do, first of all, we don't have that brand, so we know that product for its chemical property. That's what it's labeled. That would make sense why in Britain, where Games Workshop originates, they would call it PVA glue, as in, opposed to school glue, in white this, glue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but. 
the upper hand for GW and this is actually the American market because in America you know that glue as Elmer's glue or school glue Right. So that's where their upper hand is. It's actually a genius marketing. It's smart. Mar- oh, marketing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will never fault them for marketing. That. But <laughs> I remember it was hilarious. I was laughing so hard when I first saw that. It was, now, on the upside of things, uh, cost withstanding, PVA glue is actually a great catch-all glue. Okay. It's good for terrain. It's good for um, uh, basic material. Yeah. It's good for just general work. Now I wouldn't use it on models. No, but I'd use it on. Never hold. I'd use it on everything else. Um, and in fact, because it dries clear, you have it's great for basic material. Absolutely. Like you can use it for flocking or sand because you know it's going to disappear yeah. and just turn clear after it's done. Yeah. Um, uh, and on top of that, you can thin it out with water. It's water, it's water so soluble, yeah. so you can thin it out with water, and you can use it for like basing large areas, like let's say a display board, terrain yeah. boards. If you're making a game table and you want to paint it one way and you want to have some basic grid or texture, thin out your glue 50-50 with water, spread it around, dump some sand on it, let it set overnight. The next day, knock off the extra. Like, you've got a pretty good catch-all glue. The the best thing about it is it has different applications depending on how thick it is. Sure. Um, I always found, actually, between... and There's different strengths of the polyvinyl elastic glues out there. Like, again, they're mainly marketed as, you know, school glue is going to be actually a certain concentration of the same base material. Sure. Wood glue or carpenter's glue is going to be a stronger, more thicker. Right. But in essence, and that's actually going to cost cheaper. Let's let's face it. Elmer's glue is doing the same thing as GW. Mm -hmm. It's the same source product. Right. They dilute it and they market it for a higher price than if you go into your Home Depot, pick up a bucket of barrel for the same thing, just dilute it. Um, And let's say you were talking about flocking or uh, gridding, let's say texturing a table. like Philip has Philip has harped um, wood glue for that. Yeah, like he's a big fan of wood glue. Absolutely, it, it, it does give a stronger joint, sure. and that actually will bind some things better. Yeah, let's say you can still go to. It's away. a thicker glue. It's a tackier glue for sure. Right, it's it hard. It cures faster because of it. The higher concentrate of that glue, the faster it will harden. Because uh, what happens? I actually is did not know that. The moisture in the substance is evaporating. Mm-hmm. The more moisture, the more this. Diluted it is, the, the so the higher the water take. concentrate, the slower the, the dry exactly. time. That exactly. Makes sense. Um, but again, having said that, the, the thinner you dilute the crystalline matrix of that substance, the glue itself, the binding, you know, the, how it bonds. Sure. The higher, the higher, the faster it can also evaporate if it's spread out a large enough area. Yeah, there's some solubility to it. So, and it's a great way when you're, let's say, I, I probably everybody have this problem and say when you're basing sure. like you're just slapping that grid uh, you're fine with the, with the color of it but it's still brittle you can still brush off a good excess of it yeah yeah a good um, tip for that is dilute the glue afterward higher than what you would sort apply the first application and just seal it Mm-hmm. You want you want to seal it. They say if you're doing a big board, so you know so base the board normally. Create a thin down solution of it and, and reapply exactly because it acts like a bonding agent. Exactly, it'll just bond the la- both of those layers, mm-hmm. both of those layers of glue in it, and it'll just seal that uh, grit material, yeah. whatever between the two. Um, 
when you're and even when you're doing that, if you have some flake off, that's okay because it's going to get mixed up with the new glue, yeah. and it's going to still bond. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And you don't really want to brush, like you apply a heavy brush short. So when you do it, all you want to do is just apply this, just soak it. Yeah. Just soak the tops You can even, if you thin it enough, you can even put it in a spray ball and spritz exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And when you're doing a big table, and uh, let's say you want to definitely seal that coverage, that's exactly what you do. Just put it in a, bo- in a spray bottle, just spray it over, mist you're, it You're going to find that's cheaper than, like, let's say, using, like, a high-end varnish over, oh, the, over the life oh, of the table. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And really with it's not, not much more of a time commitment. I mean, you can get a bottle for a dollar at the dollar store. Just water down your glue, and, and you're it, you're already rocking. It's exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, another sort of glue in that family is tacky glue, which I'll distinguish because tacky glue is a thicker version of a white glue, basically, or a PVA glue. Okay. And it, it's called tacky glue. Really, the name says it all. It is a tackier glue. It's got a higher bonding agent, I think, or yeah. more of a bonding agent. It's yeah. more concentrated. So I've used that for some terrain projects, and it's great. Um, right. It is a little more expensive than a traditional white glue. Um, or PVA glue, so I, I try to limit it. I don't use it on, let's say, um, um, ballast material right. on bases, but I'll use it on, like, let's say, a terrain board, mm-hmm. and it's great for that because it's it's it gives me the same. I use it the same way I use white glue, but I know it'll be stronger, right? Which is nice. So in essence, what what happens is um, if you if you ever build a piece of terrain, mm-hmm. we all started through trying to uh, glue a metal can to, uh, let's say, some kind of border problem. Sure. You can never get that to work unless you right. use, let's say, a super glue. Tacky glue is going to be a great um, alternative for that. First of sure. all, it's definitely cheaper than a super glue. For sure. Um, Price per ounce, a lot cheaper. Exactly, exactly. But it will secure the pieces together right there and then. You don't have to hold it down. It, and while it's curing, the pieces are already secure. With wood glue or Elmer's glue, the polyvinyl acetate, you can never get it. it it's going to be ages while it dries. In addition to that, if you use if you use super glue on foam, it yeah. will eat through the super glue. It oh, will eat through the foam. Definitely. So you can't even use super glue on, let's say, most terrain. You have to find things that are a lot less uh, less. Uh, acidic. Acidic. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. I learned that lesson the hard way the first time. Yeah. I glued, yeah, I super glued something to a hill, came back the next day. I was like, where are all these yeah, holes in the hill? Cool. Yeah, they had all yeah, sucked some out. Tired, some tired, some tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spit, spit some on them. Um, now, while you're building terrain, while we're getting into that, there are lots of other glues on the market that people don't commonly think about because they're not marketable for the miniature companies. Mm-hmm. Something like hot glue is a really good example. Oh, yeah. I love that material. Matt at Titan Terrain Studio swears by it. And I started using it more and more. And basically what what hot glue is, is it's a glue stick that you heat and you compress it through uh, kind of the equivalent of a soldering iron, basically. And you you compress it into the area you want. And it dries rapidly, like really fast. But the bond is actually quite strong. Now, disadvantages are it's not like an an air glue where it dries on air contact. Mm -hmm. It does. But there's, you know, it's actually like the amount that comes out of the tube is the same amount you put into the tube. So you can use it to grip stuff, but you're going to have to hide the glue. Like you're going to have to bury it under ballast or basing material or something. So it's great as a bonding agent, but not great as a finishing glue. No, no, not at all. Um, The... But using your can example, I might use it for that. That's exactly what you would need. So it's in essence, guys, just... uh, Know what materials work with what uh, materials It's the right together. glue for the right Just product. Just got to pick the right tool for the right job. Right. Um, hot glue is awesome. 
Yeah. Exactly. For and really cheap to get into, by the way. Yeah. You can get a hot glue gun and some sticks $2, for less. $2, yeah. I want to say. Dollar store set. sells them. You can even get, like, I bought an industrial version of one, which is a higher Kelvin. Really? Yeah. Is it just the diameter of It's it, bigger or? and it gets hotter. Okay. Is all is the so difference? You have so, so it's faster. Time yeah, the glue itself. But even that only cost me about twenty bucks. Yeah. So like, nice. and that was like the top range of their versions of a glue gun. Right. You know. But but there is also a downside. I remember my first uh, experience with that was some kind of a craft summer cap or something, and I was not careful about touching the tip That's of it. That's fair. You guys can get burned. So yeah, it attention. does get hot. The glue itself can burn you because yeah. it does get really hot. Um, you never want to touch the metal tip of a gun with directly with the foam because you're just going to melt the right. Um, and and actually, the, another draw side to it, you have to there has to be a level of control. How much? Yeah, you have limited you work time as well. You yeah. can't like with PVA glue, you can't spread it out over a wide. You can spread it over a wide area with hot glue. By the time you did that, the first glue would be dry. Yeah, right. No, yeah. what I mean is you have to control the trigger. Yes. Because it will come up in these like blobs and clumps. Sure. So you got to be very careful how much pressure you're. It's a little to messy it. too. To be fair, you get these little ribbons of glue everywhere. Well, you can just snap them. Off you can, but I'm just saying, like in terms of like, I don't have that problem with let's say PVA glue. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, but definitely for some. For some purposes, that is a great uh, binding agent. Um, a couple other different glues on the market um, you'll find at hobby stores, not hobby stores, do-it-yourself stores like Home Depot and Lowe's. Yeah. Hardware, you'll find stuff like liquid nails, caulk, yeah. basically the caulk tubes. These are the things you've probably seen your dad use when he like does his when bathroom, he windows, when he seals the, the windows. Yeah. So they make glue that comes out of those kind of tubes. Um, I've used liquid nails before, and I'm actually going to say it's really good. It's actually not bad at all. I... They, they make specific glues called hobby glues, and yeah. they're they're designed for like craft projects, foam. They're not acidic, so you get some of the advantages of hot glue in terms of like the tubing. Yeah. Some of the advantages of long drying glue, like wood glue. Yeah. Here's um, the couple of points to that. It is a great binding agent. Sure. It's a very strong. Usually, let's say liquid nail. It's a very strong binding agent. And again, let's say you're trying to piece together very heavy parts. Sure. Uh, that's a great option of doing it. Sure. Uh, it does have a longer lifespan than hot glue, so you can actually spread it out through a surface. Sure. Um, it's more volume than you probably general average model would need. Uh, because you are yeah. getting a yeah, I would only, I wouldn't recommend the it. gun itself. Yeah. For terrain, it's great. Let's sure. say... I would never use uh, PVA to bind two layers of foam together. Sure. I would want to use... Uh, you want something nails. stronger. Exactly. Because yeah. PVA, it will never dry dry thoroughly. It can still shift it. Yeah. It will take a ridiculous amount of time while that, being, uh, while that thing dries. Liquid nails, within a couple of hours, like 10, 12 hours, it's done. It's ready to go. Now, as a glue with a higher viscosity... If you don't smooth it out very well, you will get clumps kind of. Yeah. So you have to really, when you're building terrain with it, I've learned over time, you have to really press it down. And in fact, you may even want to press it down with like books or bricks. Weighting things down, yeah. Things to hold it in place, kind of like uh, lock it in, maybe a ratchet strap, I don't know. Yeah. But something, really. Right. So for purposes of binding things uh, and the strength of the grip, definitely a great option. Yeah. Um, Works kind of like the resin we talked about. So 
again, for specific tests, it's a great tool. Yeah, the right glue for the right purpose. Absolutely. Before we move on completely, we had one question today um, from our Facebook page. Yeah, this, uh, Johan, because I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name correctly. But Johan wrote in to ask, which glue is best for basing your models? I'm afraid I used plastic glue last time. Will I be able to easily rebase them if needed? Give us your thought on that. So basically what he did is he used plastic glue. He put down some basic material. I'm going to go with ballast or flock or something. Yeah. And what's probably happened is the glue never, I mean, I don't know. I've never left out glue, plastic glue in the air, so I don't know what happens. Uh, but my instinct would be is that it, will, it never cured. Like it either, it either was left there and it dried and did nothing. Or it probably it, did cure. Uh-huh. The only thing is, I guess the fit... Because the point Fini- of the plastic finish glue... Finish is not going to be great. Right. If you don't want to use a super glue... Well, not super glue. You don't want to use uh, plastic cement for no. applying ballast. I mean, effectively, with, with plastic cement, you really want there to be plastic. Yeah. And ballast is rock. It's basically... Exactly. It's, it's a mineral. Exactly. So you need something like PVA glue, wood glue. I guess you could use super glue, but we would recommend against that. It's not just not cost effective. You right. could, but it really is not cost effective. So the best, the better solution that. is something like a PVA based glue. Definitely. In uh, Johannes' uh, uh, situation, what I'd recommend is you carefully uh, detach the models and you strip the base. Yeah. And then use. Use now, the, the good idiot. news here is you can probably pull that basic material off pretty easily. Oh, yeah. It's going to come off. It's not going to pull that. Yeah. So, really, if you don't want to use your finger like a Q-tip or even just something like the tip of your hobby knife. I'd probably go with something like a hobby knife. I'm not yeah. sure if a Q-tip is going to be able to do that. I guess it depends on how strong the model exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. It so. depends on how much plastic cement you dumped on the, on the uh, base itself. So. But the good news is your base is definitely salvageable. The bad news is you are going to have to rebase. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't want to rebase, you can send it to us to rebase your project at wyomingdogames.com slash services slash basing. Uh, and then just go to rebasing, and we'll be happy to rebase your project for you. Um, rates are very reasonable, so be sure to check that out. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we jump back in, we're going to do our one-minute rant, and we'll be right back after this brief message. Hey, guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial. Like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information. And until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our one-minute rant or gush this evening. Um, I actually have a, a, a gush this evening. I was feeling pretty good when I wrote the notes up for the show tonight. Um, so we talked briefly about the LED portion of our page um, under services and fiber optics. Uh, it just so happened that I was on, um, I don't know what I was on, maybe Bell the other day, but I saw a link to a guy had done an LED board for Space Hulk. Now, these kind of games, these specialist games, are becoming more prevalent in the hobby. We're seeing stuff like Lost Patrol, and now they're talking about bringing back old games like Epic, Gorka But in this case, the guy built a um, MDF Space Hulk board. 
and he left there was holes in the board for what, what would have been grating but he put leds beneath it and it was beautiful so i provided a link in the show notes so follow it to this guy's page he's a i think he's a terrain builder mostly right. but he just did a really good job with it and it was a really effective effective use of leds because environmentally it feels right for this old yeah, ship that would be great yeah and it, it, so it was a really nice way to quickly elevate the terrain without a lot of work not a lot of money yeah. that's the kind of stuff we could definitely do with with a terrain project you have so much room to hide batteries and wires absolutely um, so especially, it's, it's perfect especially like uh, Space Hulk or the Zomotal's boards yeah. there's just enough thickness there there's enough room to navigate laying the wiring actually probably I think you could get you away could, without even hiding the wiring you could probably you hide it in plain sight into, into yeah. the uh, project itself. We've talked about that before. Are there ways to hide wires in plain sight? And there are. Effectively on like an orc model or something where you expect big wires yeah, or exactly. a knight where you want those big wires hanging out. You exactly. can. Absolutely. kind of takes a little bit of craftsmanship planning, but I, I definitely would like to see that. Yeah. So. Well, you can. You can follow the link. And everyone else can follow the link too. Um, so if you guys are interested, check that out. Um, I'm, getting, I'm guessing that Val does not have a, a rant or gush for us this evening because it's his, it's his first time. Yeah, I'm going to ease myself into it. We're going to give him a pass. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump in with our outro, and we'll be right back after this brief word. Are you a tabletop-quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commissioned painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. Alright, that takes us into our outro. We are out of here for the week. Uh, next time on the podcast, our plan is to talk about magnets and magnetization. Now, that could change. We, uh, we would like to have another guest on the show, so if you guys are interested, please reach out to us. Let us know who you'd like to be on the show. You can message us on our Facebook page. You can also message us at White, or Council at WhiteMetalGames.com or info at WhiteMetalGames.com. Send us a message in an email there. Let us know who you'd like to have on the show. Pablo from Frontline is always recommending guests. In fact, the last guest we had on the show from um, the um, Fopocalypse, he was recommended by Pablo. Um, so we absolutely listen to your guys' suggestions. But if we don't have a good suggestion, we will do be doing magnets and magnetization. Definitely um, a great subject. Yeah. Actually, it got pretty big uh, within a couple of years. Uh, a lot of hobbyists are jumping into the ability of getting maximum out of their kids. If they're spending so, so much on kits, they're big, looking for more versatility. Definitely. That's yeah. a very big subject. So. And really with plastics being the common kit now, yeah. it's it's more efficient than ever. It's more efficient. It's easier to do that. Yeah. Magnetizing um, pewter resin is hard because of the weight. Exactly. The plastic is so light that it's very it easy. It can hold. So that's definitely a really good subject in my opinion. I'm going to give you a couple of tips and tricks how to magnetize better. How to keep your polarity right. Exactly. How not to... How to make your best use out of things. Exactly. If you're uh, working on a large project, you know, there are tips and tricks. So definitely tune in for next time. Definitely. Look at look out for that. Um, but for this week, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. My name is Valentin Malik uh, with White Metal Games as well. And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is. <laughs>